0: When you're doing it for that specific purpose of dieting, because you don't like how you look, you are cementing this belief that you can't be good enough as you are. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really like the crux, I think, of a lot of these issues around body and food, whether it's disordered eating and eating disorders. It's like, how do we just learn how to love our bodies for what they are? Are you ready? <laughs> you got this girl.
1: Love Girls, the podcast, is all about storytelling and empowerment.
2: Our mission is to share a space for women and girls to talk about the stuff that matters to them most. Love speaks to the support we give each other as we search for
1: our own path to success. L, we can lead the way, O, overcome barriers, V. v value each other, E, and empower each other. That's love. Because every girl has a story. And our stories matter. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Love Girls the Podcast. I'm Brianna, I'm 13. I'm a student at Rivermont and I'm excited to be here today. Hey guys, this is
3: Delasia
2: Dixon. I'm an online student at Central High School. And I am Teresa Babers, volunteer and mentor for Love Girls Magazine. And today we're having a conversation about our relationship with food and dieting and body image. And we are so glad to have here with us today, Miss Stephanie Burrow from Amy's Gift. Amy. And I just want to add in there that Amy's Gift is really a friend to the magazine, or should I say a gift? to the magazine, (laughs) Um, because every year uh, they find some room in their budget to support us, and it has really meant a lot, and so we're excited to be able to be talking in person today, I think, about a topic that a lot of women can relate to. So we We are going to... Actually,
3: before we get started, I wanted to play a little game of this or that, (laughs) so... The first one I have is soft or crunchy cookies. Soft. Soft. Crunchy. Really?
1: Crunchy. <laughs> really? <laughs> do I get to choose? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Crunchy too. Really? Yeah. Oh, do you guys yeah. know about the Loft Town Sugar Cookies? They're like the super soft. No, I'm thinking of Old Town Bakery. Never mind. No.
2: I, I like some crunch with my chocolate chip. Wow. Yeah, I love texture. Wow. I mean, i like, uh, yeah.
0: Okay, number two. I like raisins in my cookies, too. So oh, God. a weirdo.
3: Number two is pancakes or waffles. Oh, my God. Don't even get
1: me started on this. Pancakes. I, pancakes. pancakes. I like waffles. Really? <laughs> really? I like the hotel waffles. Oh, yeah. Those
3: ones.
1: S- all. I'll eat those ones. Number three is Italian or Mexican.
3: Oh, Mexican. How would you do this Mexican. Me.
1: Mexican. <laughs> um... Can I pick both? That's my answer. Yeah.
2: I'm gonna go with Mexican. It was a a close tie though. What did you pick? Mexican. Okay. I'm doing both. The last one
3: is fried or baked chicken? (gasps) Fried. Fried. Baked. I don't don't eat meat, so... My opinion is irrelevant. (laughs)
1: So the first question we wanted to ask you was like, talk about just
0: what Amy's gift project is and how it kind of started off. So Amy's gift was started back in 2006. Amy Help herself was um, a woman who grew up in the Quad Cities. She went to school at Rocky. She went to college in Augustana and she had an eating disorder when she was in high school and it continued with her throughout her life so that by the time she was in her 30s she was having complications knew she might pass away and she was this incredible humanitarian like I've never met anybody who didn't know Amy that didn't love her and she before she passed she said I really want to have this foundation her family owns 80 Husing which is like a PepsiCo uh, distributor based out of Rock Island and so They helped set up this fund, and they've given over $6 million to the community since it started. That's crazy. Yeah. Some of that money needed to go towards helping people who had eating disorders in the Quad Cities because it was such a difficult thing for them to find treatment for and find resources for. And that's why the foundation approached the Robert Young Center, and then the Robert Young Center kind of set up this consortium which is what Amy's gift is. We're the Quad Cities Eating Disorders Consortium. And we're responsible for helping, you know, providers in the Quad Cities gain training. So we bring uh, trainings to providers. We bring outreach programs to educators. We have a website that has all of the people who treat eating disorders in the Quad Cities and the surrounding areas on it. We have a support group that meets weekly. So we focus on helping kind of assess and treat and support people with eating disorders in the Quad Cities.
1: Oh, that's amazing,
3: I so love that. How did you personally
0: like get involved in Amy's project? So I got involved with Amy's Gift because when I came home from college, I was doing theater work, and then I got asked to do some theater work with a group called Authentic Voices that was for um, girls in the Rock Island School District. And it was set up by Betsy Samuda Swanson, who was an eating disorders therapist, is still one of the most experienced in the area. When she met me, she said, there's this project coordinator job. And so I actually started doing that. And so I had had a previous experience with an eating disorder as well. So it was something that um, I knew was important. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: talking about it right now but other than this do you think eating disorders are talked
0: about it like talked about enough you know I just don't think there's a really good understanding of of what they are and how to treat them and I don't I mean I think maybe there's been some stigma that has is starting to like be removed from talking about mental health because people have experienced it so much more because of the pandemic yeah And I think that's a good thing that people are just being more transparent. But I I still think eating disorders is its own kind of area where people don't always know how to talk about it. They don't always know how to heal and how to reach out to somebody who they know might be suffering. And so, I mean, that's why it's important for me to be here today, to just say, yeah, it exists. And there are people who experience it and there are ways to get support and
1: you're not alone. It just... Like I've never experienced or dealt with an eating disorder, but I just know like it can be so uncomfortable to talk about something that's not super like quote unquote normal, because I mean, it happens every day to people. So just talking about it can feel so uncomfortable, especially to people that don't understand it. Like when my Mm -hmm. friend was telling me she had one, I was like, like, I'm sorry. I just didn't know what to say because I've never dealt with it, but I've like helped her with all she needs. And it's just like, yeah. Just having someone to talk about it, like, in with mental health, too, Mm -hmm. it's just, like, it needs to be more normalized now.
0: Yeah, like, when I started doing um, just anti, like, stigma campaigns around mental health, when I started coming on to Robert Young, one of the most powerful things you can say to somebody who's opening up to you is just, thanks for sharing with me. Just letting you know it's okay for them to talk about it. And then, is there anything I can do to support you? You know, just being there. Sometimes it can be something really silly. And it's also remembering that there are a lot of other things other than just this part of their life that they're experiencing. Yeah, I mean, an eating disorder can become very much part that takes over somebody's life. So it's, I think that's another reason why talking about it is important because it is the most deadly, well... After the opioid epidemic became the first um, most deadly, but for many years previous, eating disorders was the most deadly mental illness. And it's still number two. It's still every hour somebody dies from an eating disorder. We need to talk about it. We need to put research money into it. We need to have like a transparency about it so that we know it's okay to reach out for help when you're experiencing it. That's so important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I remember... I believe her name is Juliana Rounds. Yeah. And she uh, told her story in the magazine. And um, she was also part of our uh, Love Awards, which we're actually gearing up for right yeah. now. Yeah, uh, Very exciting. Um, but so courageous of her to talk about that and how she felt then and, mm-hmm. and, and what she did. Um, it, I think it's hard. It's hard to talk about your weight your body. Yeah. So to talk about that, maybe you have like a yeah. diagnosis for surrounding that.
0: Right. Well, I mean that's what eating disorders really are, specifically, you know, mental health illnesses that are focused around eating and relationship with your body and food that that affect your health in a negative way, that affect your emotions and, and your overall life.
3: I feel like a lot of the times anorexia is the like like main the one main, yeah, that the main people one. talk about, and a lot of people think that's the only eating
0: disorder. So, what different types of eating disorders are there? So, anorexia and bulimia are probably um, the ones that people know the most. Bulimia nervosa is where you're purging where when you take in food you feel so uncomfortable and it might be a fear of gaining weight but it also just might be being uncomfortable in your body just having a really uncomfortable relationship with the sensations in your body and binge eating disorder is another one and it's it's the most common of all eating disorders in fact really anorexia about 1% of the population might experience that, whereas bulimia, it's like 2%, and binge, it's up to 5% of Ooh. the population can experience that. And then that doesn't even really get into all of the otherwise not specified disorders. Orthorexia, where you're restricting, but it's not for fear of gaining weight, it's for fear of, of food like there being good food and bad food, and I can only eat this kind of food, and if I don't, then I'm hurting my body in some way. Or um, avoidant restrictive food intake disorder where people have difficulty with textures um, and just incredibly picky eaters. There's yeah. there's diabulimia where you can be diabetic and, and, and bulimic and try to you know eat sugars and purge them.
1: What are the most dangerous effects of, like, eating disorders?
0: Yes, and I know we're talking about a lot of really heavy stuff, but it's important to know what, I mean, because that's the thing, is, like, somebody might be taking... I don't know, taking certain measures to restrict what they're eating or they might or they might be purging and just kind of normalizing it. I've ran and I've ran into people in my profession where it's like, well, you know, I just it was like a thing we did. You just like you threw up if you didn't want to gain weight and you ate a lot. You, it was just like there were ways in which people normalize behaviors that we knew were harmful. Well, at the end of the day, you know, obviously, if you're restricting food and you're not giving yourself the nutrition that you need, your whole system suffers. Like there's no yeah. <laughs> nobody wins in that scenario, unfortunately, and that's really one of the that's why it's the most um, fatal of all mental health issues. And it's important to know with anorexia, somebody in a larger body can have it too. There's still atypical anorexia. It's really one of those things where there's also an electrolyte imbalance that happens that messes with um, your your heart, your endocrine system. It can mess with your kidneys. I mean. Many different uh, systems in your body and organs in your body suffer, and it doesn't always have to lead, like we said, to potential fatality, but you can still have long-standing health issues and metabolic issues Mm -hmm. because of that. And that's why the sooner you know that's happening, the sooner you want to reach out and get support because Mm -hmm. then the sooner you can heal because bodies do heal. But it's like the longer something goes on, the more those imbalances can really wear down your system Mm -hmm. and put you in a really precarious place.
3: I've heard about like when you have bulimia, your teeth
0: can get
3: bad. But how does that happen?
0: Well, with the acid of the contents of your stomach are coming up and so partially digested foods and enzymes and acids are coming up. So it actually also um, hurts the esophagus where the food's coming up. So you can you can really hurt that tissue and, and it can lead to scarring.
2: I, like you said, I think those are the ones that a lot of people think about. But I see a lot of unhealthy eating among young women. And it doesn't really fit into that category of like bulimia or anorexia. Right. And I think it kind of gets excused away if we think about yeah. popular uh, diets and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I know like <laughs> women closer to my age, you know, the cabbage diet was big. We we're just supposed to oh, eat, God. you know, cabbage soup, Slim Fast. We we're supposed oh to have gosh. a shake. That's and, still a thing. Is that yeah. still yes. still taking yeah. Slim Fast? Okay, I that that, Walmart. That's from the oh, 80s, I swear. And then, um, but what I'm hearing now a lot is like fasting. People just going days and days just drinking water mm. and saying that that's healthy or getting these juicers and having nothing but juice yeah. and these these tea mixes. I mean, what about, what about those things and their
0: impact on the body? I worked as a colon hydrotherapist. So do you guys know what that is? Your colons, mm. like, help you. So your colon is what? Is your large intestine.
2: Mm-hmm. A
0: colon hydrotherapist it usually works with people who have – impacted colons who Mm -hmm. cannot eliminate waste or who have detoxification issues. They can't poop. Yeah, yeah. But I came into it knowing that that level of fasting and that level of juicing and that level of depriving the body, it actually doesn't really benefit your metabolism. It doesn't benefit your digestive system. It, it it can put you in a state, especially if you are not regularly getting a balanced diet. I mean, that any of these fad diets can throw off your body's ability to properly metabolize and digest. And I think that anytime you get away from that, it doesn't just affect your body because, because we know it does. Mm-hmm. Um, diets are, what, 99% failure rate. And the mm-hmm. way that, I mean, when you do those levels of fasts, um, you're actually teaching your body to store fat because it's like, oh, wait, if I don't have food around me, How am I going to survive? Well, then once you start eating food again, your body's like, I have to store all the fat because what if she's going to starve again? You know, like Mm -hmm. that's what you tell your body when you're doing it for that specific purpose of dieting because you don't like how you look. You're cementing this belief that you can't be good enough as you are, Mm -hmm. and that's that's really like the crux, I think, of a lot of these issues around body and food, whether it's disordered eating and eating disorders. It's like, how do we just learn how to love our bodies for what they are?
1: When you're recovering from an ED, um, what are some foods that can help get your body back into better shape
0: and get into a rhythm? So that's gonna be different for every person. Um, I know that Julia, who you talked about, I mean, she was, I believe she was a vegan and mm. her mom stood by her choice to remain a vegan as mm. she was healing. But if you're in an anorexic state that requires hospitalization and weight gain, they're going to have specific things they have to feed you to get your caloric intake up. And sometimes they're going to have to get it higher than it normally would be in order to save your life. So. Outside of that scenario, when you're getting back into, like, daily life, a lot of times it is about doing therapy or with foods so that you feel safe eating foods again. Yeah. So it's not going to be the same foods for every person. But I do think that making sure that it's balanced. And a lot of times a dietitian is essential for that process of continually healing after an eating disorder because you want to have somebody making sure you're getting everything you need.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Going into another question, um, this is kind of like steering away from foods, but what do you, you kind of already talked about it, but what do you think influence eating disorders the most? Because I know that body image definitely can have a big impact on that, especially with media and like just everything now. But other than media, what do you think influences them?
0: Well, there's two things that are just statistically proven to be most indicative. And one of them is genetics, so, I mean, that's up to 80% indicated in some studies, um, but, and then of course, you know, genetics, not only with, um, uh, eating disorders in your family, but potentially mental health issues, yeah. but also trauma, uh, trauma tends i mean eating disorders can happen a lot more around people who've had traumatic childhoods, who've had traumatic experiences because once again an eating disorder is that desire to control or seek comfort and try to yeah. get your environment to be something that you feel safe in. But we know trauma can uh, happen in many different ways. It can be a move, it can be a divorce, it could be a terrible breakup. It could be, you know, something something traumatic happening at school. So many different things.
3: Are there any, like, signs that someone has an eating disorder?
0: Yes. So with anorexia, obviously, you want to be paying attention to somebody who's skipping meals, somebody who—and they're sitting with you, possibly, but they're refusing to eat. With with anorexia, too, you can see if they're more stressed out. You can see that they're suffering. Like, a lot of times when you can see somebody, if they're losing weight and it's affecting their mental state— and they're losing it drastically, um, that's obviously, you know, a potential sign. With bulimia, if people leave right after a meal, if they have to go to the bathroom right after a meal or during a meal, there's actually like a, from putting your hand down your mouth, you can have a scar on, on the hand that you Why do. do you so you'll have, they'll be like, they'll be it a,
1: from like your teeth.
0: It's from your teeth and also from the acid of the vomit that comes out. It can, it can affect the, yeah, the hand um, that you can see that. And really just a lot of times just like not being comfortable eating in groups, not being comfortable eating at all. Um, And just really, you can notice like more negative attitudes, more constricted viewpoints around food. You can really kind of tell I'm like i can i know that i've gone through those and have gone through my own periods and um of just kind of being aware of that in my own life
1: are women more prone to having eds because because yeah. like now like i said earlier especially in media and how girls are wanting to be because of all these stars and like social media influencers it just seems like women like are more prone to because like obviously men have their insecurities
0: but it's it's like it's worse with women now. What I do know is that more men statistically have eating disorders than had in the past. So it's like one in five people with eating disorders are male. But I've been looking at materials since I came on like over a decade ago. And I know that the platforms have changed and they've actually become more pervasive and toxic. Yeah. And even though there's like this level of awareness and there's definitely, I think an intelligence around it that in your age group was, is I just don't think was there when I was growing up. And I don't know if, you know, Teresa, I can speak to it. It's like, I do think that there was, it was more accepted to just to need to be in a smaller body. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's definitely been something that's just been the way that it's been.
2: Yeah, that's, that's true. You definitely have more role models for people living in bigger bodies. Yeah. And, um, people being more uh, comfortable with that, or at least outwardly saying that they're more comfortable with that.
0: Right. That's the thing is like, there's a lot of good people saying the things, but like when it comes to us living our everyday lives and like feeling really supported, I don't know how much true, how true that is. But I just know that like that pressure that women have felt to conform to a certain ideal in terms of beauty has always been there. And, and I, I mean, it's still there. Yeah, there is a local
2: person. Um, she has a project called The Beautiful Project. Sarah Stevens. Yes, and we will give her a shout out. She has an Instagram, I'm still fat. Yes. And uh, it's great because it, it deals with all those stereotypes like yeah, uh, fat people exercise, they dance, they like, sometimes they're vegan, sometimes yes. they're vegetarians. Yeah. All great of those things of that people do like. Oh, yeah. Lizzo, she's yeah. a great
0: example. Yes. Right. So so. we have role models like thank God who are coming out and and having a platform not just to like be fat and themselves and like amazing but also be like yeah and don't just put down fat people all the time because that's not even Mm -hmm. it's not even true. I mean statistically I was looking it up for something and like epidemiologically people who are overweight or even mildly like obese live as long, if not longer, as people who are in the normal weight r- bracket. So it's like being someone who's not skinny doesn't mean, it might mean that you're healthier, truly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like, yeah. like really <laughs> recognizing that as a thing. Um, yeah. There's, there's so many other factors,
2: you know, smoking, drinking alcohol, all kinds of other things that play into the healthiness of our body. Um, yeah. We do want to end on a positive note yeah. here. I want to ask everyone, what are ways that you guys
3: think we can work on a healthy body image and like
1: loving ourselves? I have a good one. So I kind of got this. I forgot where I got this, but I got it from somewhere. And it was just like standing in front of a mirror and looking at yourself and giving yourself like affirmations or telling yourself that you're beautiful. And if you do that every day, then you'll get more used to it. and You'll start to believe it. Because you're, like, looking at yourself instead of staring at a wall. You're, like, I'm literally talking to myself. But if you're looking at yourself, you feel you get it more and you feel a lot better with yourself. Do you want me to go go next? (laughs) (laughs) You can go. Okay. I think just eating well,
3: knowing, like, you do need food, like Bree said, and just taking care of your body because – at the end of the day, you just want a healthy, strong body that um, is useful for yourself. Yeah. So just take care of your body and you're, know that your body is beautiful no matter
0: what. Yeah. Because these are our homes and yeah. we yeah. need to stay in them. Yeah. I mean, I think like that whole, uh, what you said, home, is. it's a lot of a practice that I've kind of come to do and, and I started actually when I was in my holistic practice and, and I would meet people who were just so afraid like to be in their bodies and to be experiencing their bodies and um, and then I had to really be honest with myself that there were experiences that I had had you know whether it was inflammation or discomfort that it would make me judge my body so much. And I had had so much judgment for such a long time in it. And it really made me realize that what you just said was true to instead when something crops up in my body, whether it's a sensation or even an emotion that I'm not necessarily prepared to deal with in that moment, um, to just be fully present with it. People are, you know, they're having more experiences in their body that might be more stress related because of all the stuff we've been going. But if we can just show up for ourselves and be present to know it's okay. And that powerful act of being fully present with yourself and your body and feeling it and being safe and feeling it, it does transform. And it actually, the feeling will dissipate. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I actually feel amazing now. (laughs) Um, I don't think that I could uh,
2: top any of those answers. Um, I will just say that coming from <laughs> the slim fast generation, <laughs> so embarrassed to say that I was once <laughs> on one of those diets, oh my um, is that um, I'm uh, happy to be living in a time where it's a better time to feel good about the skin that you're in and get more support for that. And we want to thank you so much. Thank you um, so much thank for coming for today and sharing information with us on a topic that I think is, is very important. And at some yes. point we're going to get over harshly judging our bodies, but <laughs> talking about it is a step in the right every direction. Every
0: day. every day. That's all you got to do. said So
2: yeah. we'll let you have the last word in terms of, How can people find out about Amy's gift and um, what they can do to
0: help themselves or others? So Amy's gift has a website. It's just Amy, it's www.amysgift.com. You do have to put the W's in there for it to route you. When you get to that site, you'll find a page that's really, that's for parents or people experiencing eating disorders, a page that's for educators and a page that's for, for providers with links that kind of help If you're going through that, or if you have someone you love is going through that and you want to support them, it has that information there. If you have questions, you can email info at amysgift.com. I work a lot with people who just are looking for those resources and want to know more about them. And I can kind of be that in between, that kind of go between contact um, when you might need that support and not know where the first person to call is going to be. So. So, thanks for letting me share today. Thank you so much thank for, for coming, coming over here. Thank you. If you'd like to learn some more information
3: about Love Girls Magazine, or maybe you even want to get involved, you can visit lovegirlsmagazine.com. And of course, we want to extend a huge thank you to WVIK for their partnership in making this podcast possible. And you, we want to thank you, our listeners for tuning into another episode of love girls, the podcast where every girl has a story and our stories matter.